Welcome back to Cultivating Connections. This is Rory. I'm here with my brother Ryan, as usual. And today we have our good friend, Tom Murano. Hello, everyone. Glad to be here. <laughs> yeah, this is a very special podcast because we have, uh, since the beginning, you know, we wanted Tom to be here with us. And finally, we get him the, uh, the third part of our trifecta group here <laughs> that... Uh, that you know this is how it all started for all of us and uh we've come a long ways together and it's great to to be able to talk on this podcast and share a story indeed indeed very grateful to be able to express these things to people that are interested to hear and uh i suppose i'll start with uh how it all began back in was it April last year mm-hmm. um, so <clears throat> I guess the first thing I might start with is uh, so we use cannabis as the altered state for a ritual um, I myself am a what would be considered a moderate to heavy cannabis user uh, just recreationally and going into this ritual, uh, I was pretty skeptical that I would get anything profound or out of the ordinary uh, to integrate in my life. And honestly, I have to say, after the first ritual, uh, I felt much different emotions and feelings. Uh, compared to if I just smoke alone in my house. So I was very pleasantly surprised about this. And, you know, this speaks to the power of intention. Um, These plants, these plant teachers, uh, can be boosted by intention. And if you use them with no intention, they may just uh, reveal subconscious uh, thoughts or memories. But if you use them with intention, you can really gain great things. Um, what was? What do you think our intention was going into that that first time? Because I think we all walked away from it with the same understanding of wow, this is powerful, but we didn't know what really what we were doing. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. So I think the the collective idea here was community and connection. Um, and we've all had conversations about that topic before, that it's what modern culture is lacking, uh, a sense of community and your role in the community and your purpose in the community. Absolutely. And we actually, when we first started meeting, we were just meeting and just talking. And we were, our intention was clear because we had, we probably met five or six times just to talk before starting our first ritual. Mm -hmm. And we talked a lot about that, about how we can get deeper connections. And we knew the power of altered states, you know, it's just, we didn't know how to utilize them, how to utilize them in this setting. So we were kind of just like, you know, 
hunting in the dark, really. Mm-hmm. And we hit. <laughs> definitely hit. Definitely hit. Because after that first ritual, I mean, it was still so, like, in, in its infantile stages. Yeah. But we knew there was something there. And all mm-hmm. we, we knew, if we just keep coming back here every week, something will develop. Absolutely. And, I mean, I think we've talked about this before, but that second week was a really hard one to go to. How do you feel during that? Oh, man. So... Um, it's really wild to think back to how it's progressed Yeah, and my feelings and emotions towards it. So the, after the first one, uh, I think that night I, you know, after everyone had left, I, uh, chose to drink alcohol, which I wouldn't normally at the time. And it was really because what we were doing was exposing these emotions and feelings that we normally would numb and run away from. So I was dissociating and, you know, numbing these feelings. And uh, I was very scared for next week. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we all were. (laughs) Yeah, me too, for sure. (laughs) Um, And, you know, I could sense it next week when we met. Over time, it's just, it's transformed into something totally different as it was at the beginning. Yeah. Uh, For me, it's transformed into something I I think of as like a chore or like something that I don't really want to do to something that I look forward to every week. Absolutely. Yeah, at the beginning. I think the the main reason is because I now have developed the trust to the point where I know that uncovering these feelings will provide value in my life. Whereas that first two weeks, I didn't know that. I was like mm-hmm. exposing these things that are making right. it harder, yeah. but I didn't know if they would be valuable or it would just be hurting me. Mm-hmm. Indeed. So um, I noticed like a pattern for me, maybe the first uh, 10 rituals on Saturday nights I would do some some activity that was a dissociating activity such as uh, indulging in either too much alcohol or cannabis or uh, playing video games or um, <laughs> whatever trying to escape from that yeah I hear that dude because <clears throat> yeah because like for me um not to cut you off, but for me, um, there's been a lot of times like Saturday night, I'll get real, you know, drink, I'll drink quite a bit. Yeah. Um, and it's not even like consciously like I'm doing this cause tomorrow's Sunday and it's going to bring up a lot of crap that I don't want to normally deal with. Um, it's more of a subconscious. All right. It's Saturday night. Don't have much to do. Go hang out with somebody, get drunk. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I really pay for it the next day because, um, Yes, that's, but you got to face that. Well, I got to face that also. Yeah. Yeah. The, the physiological effects of of the hangover and, and everything. Um, I think this week I can really relate to that because I was telling you guys before, uh, that this week was the first week where I didn't, I went, uh, I walked away from the ritual feeling lower than I went into the ritual. 
And I think that has everything to do with what I was doing before and after the ritual, mm. which was disconnecting or disassociating, like you were saying. But mm. I was doing it through food and unhealthy eating patterns, yeah. eating a bunch of ice cream, cake. And it's like, the, it's like, it made it very obvious that what these things are doing, these eating patterns, mm-hmm. what they're doing is they're numbing feeling. Because we ate, we had a, actually a, a birthday cake right before the ritual. Mm-hmm. And for the first 10, 15 minutes of that ritual, I feel like I didn't feel anything. I was numbed. And that's the association that I've developed with unhealthy, sugary foods like that. It is yes. a tool to numb me. And now I am very aware of that. And so I hope is to be more conscious of it. And, and I think I learned a valuable lesson this week. So I'm grateful for that. Mm-hmm. What about during uh, the session? Because for me, and I can only speak for myself here, but for me, this last Sunday was one of the most powerful um, sessions I've ever had. It was when I, um, yeah, just, it was like I was immediately hit with so much feeling, so much gratitude beyond belief. Um, Just, you know, a lot of stuff coming to the surface that I, I mean, I think I told you guys, like in my sober everyday life, I'm naturally escaping all feeling. Like Mm -hmm. it's not even a conscious thing. It's not like I I just naturally am trying to escape anxiety, whether I'm using drugs or not. I haven't been using drugs, so even sober life I've been uh, escaping it, escaping anxiety. You know, psychologically, like through my mind, I can. Um, <clears throat> do you think you're still? Do you think this ritual is helping you outside of the setting to not escape? Because the one thing I was saying earlier is that, like, I was—I think I was developing into a way where I was using this Sunday as a way to get into my feelings, so that you know Monday through Saturday I could escape. Hmm. And it was having serving the opposite, you know, effect of what I really wanted, which is to feel more throughout my life. Because up there on Sunday I can feel more intensely than ever felt in my life, and I know I can get through it, and I know I'll be supported, and it'll be valuable. But if you take me out of that setting, you put me in, you know, normal society without any of you guys around or in my work setting, I don't have that same trust with, right. the, with the process. And so that's what I'm trying to develop here. That's actually a really good question. Um, I think I've definitely allowed myself to feel more during the every, my everyday life. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't know. It's a good question. I don't know if I'm escaping um, responsibility and, and things. I certainly not in a place that I was in before these group rituals that we started. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think we are all working towards. I mean, the, the core intention is to connect, but the way we do that is by feeling everything, being present with what we're feeling. Yeah. Well, so and allowing allowing us ourselves the space once a week is, or for myself, is um, given me a sense of serenity throughout the week. Yeah. Indeed, I think for me, I I need mm. to work on developing that trust outside the setting. So trusting the moment, trusting my feelings, and just being okay with the discomfort. 
because uh, the more I can do that, the more all of these beautiful things that we have up there in that setting can come to fruition in everyday life. And that's really the ultimate goal here. And it, and it has been happening, definitely. It's just... Absolutely. I can speak quite a bit to that. For me, it's providing uh, this sustained contentment with pretty much every facet of my life. Uh, multiple things have improved and gotten better. Um, it has helped me greatly to not rely on dissociative mechanisms as much. Um, I mean, I, I essentially have stopped alcohol 100%. Uh, I used to have a moderate habit with that. I mean, yeah, um, and as well as other substances, which I'll get into later, but every time that I have these urges of having a dissociative, you know, wanting to acquire, you know, drugs. What, what do you think the urge, the, the dissociative uh, relationship you have with dissociatives, what do you think that is serving, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, let's get right into that. Um, so I used to have a very intense addiction uh, to a dissociative drug. It's it's a gas, nitrous oxide gas. Um, it was not the longest lasting addiction of all time, but it was four months of... Uh, almost every day use there was a few days that I didn't and that was because I couldn't acquire it <laughs> um, so why did I get into that um, that's a whole story um, but it, and perhaps I'll touch back on that later um, but, well how has your relationship changed with the uh, the nitrous since starting the ritual. Mm -hmm. So I'm trying to uh, put dates together in my head here. Uh, I have not used nitrous for eight months. Uh, it's actually eight months today. Wow. So good timing. Yeah, uh, it's it's a surreal thing to be able to talk about. Uh, it's uh, something that really got a big grip on me. Uh, fast and hard I didn't expect it but uh, it consumed my life to the point where I was doing things so out of character to who I am uh, it was unrecognizable to myself you know I just it, I was running on empty for four months uh, in all in more ways than one um and the way that I dug myself out of the hole was reaching out and connection and community. So how it all came together for me and how I can sustain healthy habits and abstinence from nitrous is uh, this 
ritual and group, but I reached out to a wonderful friend of mine who's a substance abuse counselor, and I just tattled on myself and told him everything and pretty much said, you know, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And he took me under his wing. He counseled me himself for a bit, and then he found me a wonderful uh, counselor up in Burlington that I see uh, every week or every other week, and it's been wonderful. Um, And there's been a handful of times over these eight months that I have almost had slip-ups. But I continually tell um, Rory and Ryan and other people that the reason for the for that um, the reason that I do not fall back into those patterns again is greatly because of the, this ritual that we do on Sundays. Uh, because at this point we've cultivated uh, such a huge trust in each other and what we're doing that it's uh it's really like that bright star that bright star that just shines from from within you feels like that for me um yeah it's amazing one thing that i talk about a lot is the effect that you guys have on me through your own actions mm-hmm. and the effects that i have on you guys through my own actions yes and how tremendous that is. It's I mean, I, I often say that my greatest accomplishment is Rory getting off heroin. Because, mm-hmm. even though, you know, it's not really my accomplishment, but because that has had a way more positive and powerful effect on my reality than anything I could have done, you know? And yeah. the same goes with you, Tom. The Absolutely. The, the things that you have done, the triumphs that you have had, mm-hmm. have immensely positively affected us yeah and we're tremendously i'm tremendously grateful for for you thank you you as well yeah me too i appreciate both of you guys i wanted to say for me it feels like the relationship that we've built with our sunday group our ritual um like you said it's trusting and um it's it's like the, or it's like how it's like a relationship with a drug almost to me. It's like the whole experience, whether with cannabis or not, it's gonna be a, f- a feeling that feels like a drug, but um, different. I don't know what I'm saying, but yeah, like mm-hmm. I can compare. Yeah, the cannabis it. is an enhancer of the ritual. Yeah, it, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like. This drugs are tools to access different uh, states of consciousness, and this ritual is a tool to access a different state of consciousness. Yeah, or like you know how you used to say like that you, you miss like partying in high school. Yeah, like it it kind of gives that. Um, I kind of get like that sense from it, but it's more holistic because it's not yeah, well, it's I, not so up and down like a party. You go to a party, you get drunk, and then the next day you crash. It's like we can deal with everything all in this. Uh, Sunday. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's constructive. I think the reason kids like us partied in high school was a desire for a connection like this. Definitely. But without any idea on, on even that it was possible. Right. And so it become it initially starts out as a way to connect, but over time develops into a very disconnected behavior where mm-hmm. we find ourselves 
more apart from each other and from our true selves than ever before. And I yeah. think that's because it doesn't really fulfill what we want it to fulfill. But with what we're doing, we know what we want to accomplish up here. Yeah. In the ritual, we know. The intention uh, is very ingrained into what we're doing. And yeah. I think it really comes bound down to this connection versus disconnection. We, we know the power of connection. We know it's healing. We know it's empowering. And it's just about doing the things that we know, you know, create deeper connections. And that vulnerability is the deep, the quickest way to develop deeper connections. Mm-hmm. Like, I tell you guys secrets about myself, the way I feel, things that I couldn't really tell anyone else. And yeah. that connects me to you guys in a way that is uh, so much, just so deep. Because I know no matter what I say, I will be accepted. It's a safe space to say it. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And like the thing is like I mean Carl Jung says and people say like we all have we all are capable of the absolute worst and sometimes when you feel that you are a terrible person when you feel like you know you're capable of being Hitler or a murderer or all this mm-hmm. being able to express that and be accepted for it and not be isolated and shunned but understood and, and people be able to connect with it yeah. that empowers us more than anything you know it is these terrifying and uncomfortable things that unite us beyond uh beyond anything mm-hmm. and like that really is the power of ritual yeah if you can develop deep connections through ritual it shows you that united you're far stronger than you are separate and together you can overcome anything and that's how i feel i feel like i was just thinking that myself i feel like we can overcome anything i mean we've already overcome obstacles that 99.99 percent of people couldn't Mm -hmm. and we've been doing this for i hear ryan say a lot that if i was trying to do this by myself but you know if i was going through this by myself i would crash and burn and you know maybe be broken by it but yeah because I have this setting in the in, you know, I mean, ritual. I, I tried to do it on my own at first, and yeah. I ended up deeper in a hole than before. Sure, I've experienced that as well. And that's because, you know, we we think we're strong enough to do it alone, but it's not really a ma- a matter of strength. You know, it's just there's something about connection that is, you know, necessary for transformation I was thinking and I I don't think it's an important thing to say on the podcast but I want to because I was just thinking it but there's times throughout the week where I feel pretty low you know because mm-hmm. that's part of being human um, but or uneasy or anxious but mm. if it ever gets real bad I, I think about you guys I think about the Sunday I just got to get through the week and then I can express it there. Same here. You yeah. know, um, cause it's really hard to express things to people that you don't have, um, a trusting bond. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, I mean, they talk about it in childhood psychology as like insecure attachments. Like 
if you don't grow up within a setting where you can truly trust your parents or the people that raised you 100%, then it makes it almost impossible to develop those trusting relationships further on down the road. Mm -hmm. And I think uh, people that struggle with addiction and depression really have that as a very uh, big obstacle to get around. Yes. Because if you can't trust other people, then you can't trust yourself to make the right decisions and Mm -hmm. you end up, you know, stuck in patterns of addiction or destructive habits. Yeah. And like what we've done is, uh, developed that secure attachment with each other from from square one really like even me and you roars we grew up together and we had you know trust but it was never trust like this it was never trust where i trusted you with my life and 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 you know it, it it's developed into something that is uh incredibly strong i guess definitely speaks to the power of intention because our intention is to trust each other and get vulnerable and share things that are hard to talk about and uh, I like I've mentioned this little topic before what we're doing it sounds a little crazy but it's like energetic alchemy so you're taking an, an uncomfortable feeling like a anxiety or a dread, dreadful feeling, whatever it could be, uh, express it, get it out there, have people listen to it, feel the discomfort, process it, and now it's gone from your body, you know? And this is how we heal from these, whatever it is inside us, traumas or sadness, anger. Um, it's... A shedding of energetic gunk, we like to call it. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. It is a releasing of this energetic stuff that we've been holding on to since we were kids. You know, and it's things that hold you back, us down. Mm-hmm. And I say this often: after I come out of that ritual, it feels like a literal weight off my shoulders. Like yeah, you feel lighter. I yeah. walk lighter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I'd go as far to say that most humans have um, trauma from when they're kids. Um, I was just watching this thing. I mean, it's pretty rare to find a human that doesn't. I don't, yeah, I don't think that exists. Um, <laughs> so the sooner, you know, the sooner I accepted that, which took me 10 years to accept that, but with you guys, you know, I was able to accept that and make some, uh, some, some changes and the way it changes in the way I see myself, see the world. Um, but yeah, like in the past, if I was ever in a group setting and I had to like express things, I don't, I, I, I couldn't really fully feel it. Mm-hmm. I could express myself somewhat, but um, it just didn't feel like such a safe space where I could fully express it. Um, yeah, I agree. <laughs> like I had times, honestly, until like recently with this ritual, I didn't know what I was feeling. If someone asked me, "What are you feeling?" I just wouldn't know how to respond because I don't. Yeah. I had no. I had no you know, education or like a, a physical education on how to understand my feelings because yeah. I had been numbing them habitually for so long without even realizing <laughs> that there was so much feelings underlying it that I just couldn't even recognize if I wanted to. Yeah. And then, you know, this ritual that we cultivate, we cultivate the allowing of those feelings and I start feeling things that I've never felt before and more intensely than I've ever felt before. Definitely. And at first it's terrifying. Yeah. But now 
I mean, it still is terrifying, but it's empowering and it feels so good to feel, you know? To feel yes. And yes. not be numb. Yes. That is something I've discovered in myself where, and I never thought I would say this maybe even five years ago, that feeling anxiety in your body is good thing positive thing because uh it means you're excited about something maybe in a negative way and um, feeling that feeling expressing it and then having it leave you is is the goal yeah anxieties are powerful teachers they challenge us to grow fears as well it's like now when I feel extremely anxious, I don't just reach for some kind of dissociative thing. I I want to feel it because I'm interested in what it's going to teach me. Yeah. And I, I think that's really what I found about my battles with depression as well. Mm-hmm. That the depression is a, an adaptation, really. It's my body telling me that you know, I, there's something that needs to change. Yeah. And at first it was like, oh, no, why me? I'm just going to try and numb this and hope it goes away. But then I realized, oh, you know, this depression is te- showing me something. And if I try and sit with it, learn learn it, you know, learn about it and use it to make a change, then that's amazing, you know. Yeah. That that's when depression becomes meaningful mm-hmm. instead of just like this meaningless, um, yeah. So this meaningless thing that just evokes pain in my life it becomes meaningful and the pain transforms into power. I can absolutely relate to that, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um. I'd like to speak about something we're doing uh, somewhat recently, is, which is eye-gazing in the ritual. Um, it's a pretty profound yeah. activity. It's really interesting to me how that evolved organically, you know. Yeah, and I, and I suppose it was your dad that really brought it into our, our, our heads in the first place. Yeah. Before he was he talking about... Uh, yeah, some oh, people wow, that he had yeah. met back in the 60s, right? Late 60s. Yeah. He just told us that story about... This kind of commune, yeah. Yeah, and how everyone at that commune really looked you in the eye. And mm-hmm. it was this, you know, powerful experience that these people, you just feel connected. Yeah. People you never met before. Yeah. And that's, you know, that, that connection, that oneness that you feel when you look into someone's eyes, powerful. I mean, I... I have some of the most uh, intense experiences looking in, in your eyes, Tom, where I I get to a point where it's like I feel like I can't look away. Like yeah, I'm, I'm we just complete. live in this moment yeah. for eternity. Exactly. And it's, it's so... Yeah, it's exhilarating. It and, is exhilarating. And beyond words. Yeah. Yeah, it feels like we just get lost in that and just be there for... So I myself never really done this 
in my life. You know, I'm 30 years old. Uh, I would say I have this one particular cat currently in my house who probably have done the most eye gazing with, you know, in, in, in the past. Uh, it's a different thing than a person, but it's still profound. Um, <laughs> if anyone out there tries it, they'll figure out pretty soon into it that it's it's a feeling that you you, d- you just can't describe. Yeah. Gratitude. Um, there's waves of feelings and emotions that you get. Uh, some are scary. Uh, some make you want to look away. And then, you know, all of a sudden you'll get this wave of excitement or happiness or uh, you almost laugh. Like I was, I laughed yeah. at one point. Yeah. Just beca- it wasn't even uh, anything funny going on. It was this shared, uh, identifiable feeling. Yeah, that's what it's all about—is that that feeling. And when you're in that moment with someone eye gazing, it's timeless. You, your mind, just goes to places it de- definitely doesn't normally. Uh, you think of the spans of time. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, like for me, um, there's instances in it where I feel more of a connection with you, Tom, and you, Ryan and uh, my dad as well, but um, especially with you two, that it feels like we could spend five, ten minutes eye-gazing, and it feels like we've spent hours, or more than hours. Yeah. It feels like we've spent, like, yeah. a long, uh, you know, weeks, a long time together. Like, I mean, it feels, together. <laughs> feels like I, I feel more and experience more in those moments than yeah. I do the entire rest of the week shoved into one, like, little bit you know what I yeah. mean like feels like I live so much and I think that's where the timelessness comes in because it's like although it's only you know a few minutes it feels like a lifetime of experiencing yeah and feelings it uh it shows you the limitations of verbal communication uh you know we can only express so much with our words and we all know this. Yeah, and also like with words, it's you have to find the right word to express what you're feeling. Which for me, yeah, it was is extremely difficult. Well, I mean, every word holds baggage, and every word is perceived differently depending on it's who is open to interpretation. Exactly. And that all comes down to life experience, where when you're like, you have a certain experience, life experience, and someone else has a different life experience, so they say something, and then you're going to perceive whatever they're saying based off of your own experiences. Mm-hmm. With the eye gazing, it's it's different because we look into each other's eyes, and we just, it's really about like letting how much you're going to let in. Yeah. And it's like directly, um, per- directly like portrayed or, or shared. It's a recognition of a shared, just oneness oneness yeah 
Yeah. Yeah. Unity. Yeah. Boundaries of ourselves dissolve and yeah. we take on the identity of a group. Yeah. A unified one. Oh man. And I mentioned this I think last Sunday that it seems to be getting more intense for me and more meaningful. Uh, having uh, Craig in our group now it has had a huge impact on me and I'm sure everyone. But uh, boy, staring in his eyes is is, is pretty pretty amazing. <laughs> Because he's your dad, and it's like, wow, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's it's interesting you said that, because um, for me, yeah, he's my dad, so a lot of the time, it's really, really, and I always used to blame it on him, but I think ultimately it's my fault that I don't let, I'm too scared to let myself, like, fully in, into um, that, like, visual field that you know, like what we're talking about, the eye gazing, it's, yeah. it's hard for me to really open up as much as I'd like because yeah. I guess I've always felt, you know, it's father-son relationship. I always felt some type of judgment, even though I know at the core it's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. But this last, this, I said it's interesting you said that because this last Sunday, um, I looked at him for like, it wasn't very long, like two or three minutes, and it was just the the biggest like relief. Right and, and release. Right, because yeah, that that I've ever had uh, all in one moment. Yeah, <laughs> so it's uh, the boundaries. Uh, you know, they they fall away. If if you allow them to, which we've Def- cultivated yes. a relationship where Definitely. we can all do that. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The bound. Yeah, and then <laughs> it opens you up to the possibility of what are we really capable of? Because you know. Um, in everyday life we have those defenses um but when you're able to break down those barriers and feel it throughout a group you know you've already experienced that stuff like you you know you have a confidence going forward that i can trust these people because we've just been through so much mm-hmm. um yeah yeah it's, it's like i've said it like used to uh i don't know like if i were i feel like i've accomplished more with just a on a connection human to human basis i've connected more and felt more and accomplished more since getting clean from drugs and doing these rituals with you guys than i have since i was probably 10 years old literally Mm. like i think i was 11 when i went to uh, private school and i think after that coming back to public school i don't think i ever felt anything again really Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah it's an extreme thing to say but I mean on some level it's very true Uh, another thing that we talk about a lot with this ritual is how to use it to revisit past psychedelic experiences you know experiencing them again in a way and integrating them into our life now mm-hmm. and this is a powerful thing because i mean i've said this before but i always thought psychedelic integration had to happen you know the week or a couple weeks after psychedelic experience yeah but what i'm learning is that you can draw as much from a psychedelic experience two years ago in this setting as i could you know 
two days ago. Right. And it's, it's super empowering. It's, it's awesome. So we've found that cannabis is a great tool and an aid to get into these emotional spaces where you can tap into these feelings. And it, it makes sense because I've heard a lot of times people saying that they smoked weed after a psychedelic experience and they got really paranoid mm-hmm. because they they were revisiting that past psychedelic experience. And they're like, oh, no. Like, and like, a fl- like an acid flashback. Yeah, like a flashback with cannabis. And I never really thought much about that until recently. But I remember after my psychedelic experience, my first one, I stopped uh, all substances for like three months and I remember one of the first times I smoked cannabis again I've, I experienced the worst derealization and depersonalization I've ever felt in my life and it was yeah. absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. I I was sitting on a couch watching my friends and I felt like I was watching a projector like a, a movie screen mm. and uh, I was just watching this movie play out mm. and it was very very strange but it was the cannabis that uh, allowed me to kind of access that state and that was a state that I was feeling a lot of after my first psychedelic experience where I was questioning my reality and questioning what was real and at that time it 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 was kind of traumatic not very productive I just wanted to get through it and hope I was still okay Mm -hmm. but if I had experienced that in our setting which sometimes I do in our Sunday ritual I embrace it and I actually (laughs) kind of enjoy it and look forward to it yeah. Which is strange, but but yeah, I think cannabis can absolutely get us in touch with these past psychedelic experiences. Yeah, and and Ryan mentioned you can express things from two years ago, but you can go way further back than that. So I had an experience at one ritual day that I told pretty much the entirety. Uh, experience I had with LSD when I was 17 years old um, it was uh, my second time I had taken it first time I took it it wasn't very strong pretty mild uh, but the second time I took it I had uh, what I learned eventually was ego death uh, and I didn't know how to express it at the time. I was 17. All my friends thought I was totally out of my gourd. (laughs) And uh, by help from a couple different sources, I was able to get myself back together. Uh, But if I had had a structure back then where I could integrate it, I don't think I would have broke from that. Yeah. Uh, but what I'm leading up to here is um, in in the ritual, I told this story where I've only told this story maybe two times in my life. So I haven't told anyone this for 13 years. And I told it pretty accurately. And I was surprised uh, to tap into the emotion of that feeling it was uh it was great and it gave me a lot of confidence about about it um so 
Tom, I want to say like yeah. you telling that experience up there had a massive impact on me. Because I, yeah. I recently have been talking a lot about wanting to induce an ego death mm-hmm. in myself. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be beneficial. But I also yeah. know from your experience that it's not in, it's not going to be beneficial just automatically. No. It can actually be very traumatizing. Right. And I I felt for you when you you talked about going back into society. Yeah. And people are <laughs> You know, treating you like you are just right. like crazy. Like the Mad Hatter. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, how do you how do you find your place in the world <laughs> when you're everyone around you is treating you like you're different? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And uh I know that if I was to have a an ego death experience where I mean we talked about it before, it's kinda like a blank slate. Like if I was to have that, that blank slate, that reset and I came back, I know if I came back in in this setting with you guys and dad, and I know that I would come back and I would be positioned to better myself. Yeah. Because I know you guys would have my best intention at heart. 100%. Definitely. definitely. And ultimately, I think that is what these psychedelics, the, the relationship that humans have had with these psychedelics for the longest time has been mm-hmm. as a tool to confront our ultimate fear, our fear of death, our fear of impermanence, and to come back and live more fully. Um, yeah. And I think that is something that I really want to experience. Definitely. And I wanted to touch a bit just on the topic of integration, integrating a, an experience into your life. Because personally for me, uh, well, you know, I've, consider myself a a, a psychonaut of sorts maybe not professional but (laughs) um, I'm fascinated by these things these compounds Uh, mostly the ones that come from nature Uh, being an herbalist I'm very interested in the natural world and how we interact with it Um, so got a little off topic forgot what I was going to say. Integration. Integration, right. So 95% of my psychedelic experiences since I was 17 have been alone by myself. And there's way there's reasons for that. That's another story for another day, but what I didn't end up doing pretty much all the time was integrating these experiences. So it's like you get home Friday night after work, you you trip. Okay, it happens. Back to work Monday. Right back into life, you know. And these things can throw you off. <laughs> they can knock you for a loop if you don't integrate. Um, and what Ryan touched on uh, earlier... Uh, just because it's in the past and you think that you can't process these feelings and emotions again, it's you can. They're still in there. And uh, we've all proven it time and time again. I mean, I've, I've told plenty of uh, stories of psychedelic experiences that were years ago 
where I never shared with anyone. And there's a whole catalog in my brain. I'm sure they'll still come up every once in a while. But integration is equally important as your set and setting. It's all a recipe that needs to work together. And, um, yeah, this ritualist group makes it possible for all of us to, you know, dig deep into the integration and process these things. It's very, very important because uh, our culture, our modern culture, does not really advertise this, this integration process that is ideally done with community. Yeah. And people you trust and people you love. So, uh, Yeah, man, hearing that coming from you is a great because, um, like you said, you consider yourself a psychonaut. I mean, you have more, ex- you have as much experience with psychedelics as anyone I have ever heard of or known, um, known of. So hearing that coming from you is, I don't know, it's it's a testament to what we've created. It's a testament. Absolutely. I mean, I think pe- people talk about psychedelic integration a lot, but you ask someone what it is you you'll get a different answer from every person you ask mm-hmm. and you know it's not easy to define or create an integration structure but what we've done is create an indirect integration structure that developed organically you know it wasn't us going into it like let's develop a psychedelic integration structure yeah it was us going into it saying let's connect mm-hmm. and this has developed this has evolved naturally and it's uh it's a beautiful thing that we have I want to say thank you to all you, both you guys. Thanks to Dad and everyone else involved. It's been it's been amazing. Yeah, I'm thank excited you. for the future. Grateful to be able to talk about what we do. Yeah. It's uh, good to have you on the podcast finally, Tom. It's yeah, Tom, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you. It's been well, a long time coming. Let's do it again. Yeah, we'll have to do it again. This... uh this next time we'll hopefully have a better setup we can kind of just like relax a bit more Mm kind of felt a little tense for me excellent but anyway all right love you guys peace thank you later